0: Good morning. Welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas, back in the chair, and glad to be with you guys. Uh, with me, like always, Rick and Jill Van Dijvendyk. Good morning, Rick. Good morning. And Jill, this morning, is joining us on the phone. Hi there, Jill.
1: Good morning.
0: morning. Where are you coming to us from?
1: I'm coming to you from beautiful Kelowna, British Columbia. Ooh. I'm out, out here making my way out west to visit some of my growers, um, mostly perennial growers um, this time. And then we're heading down to Marysville, Washington to see the plant trials of some of the new varieties that are coming out for 2024.
0: Well, that's pretty exciting. Right on. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it will be exciting. I, I love sort of seeing what's new and up and coming and trying to figure out ways that I can bring it um, up into, into the prairies. And one of the things I love about this one in Maryville is um, they do the trials in the northern part of the states where a lot of the trials are done in the southern part of the states. So you can really see how the plants are going to perform under a similar climate to ours.
0: Well, that's pretty cool. Right on. Right yeah. on. I was, uh, on a vacation last week, uh, in British Columbia and BC, uh, Creston area, and we visited a greenhouse there, and I've got some pictures, but they they had a hydrangea, and I don't know exactly which variety it was, but it was just one of the ones that was around the greenhouse, growing in sort of the, 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 you know, landscaping around the greenhouse, and the, the heads, each flower head, was bigger than my hand, like the size of a volleyball, each one of them. And I kind of go like, oh, I wish we could get, you know, we can get some, and some people are really good at growing them, and they can get them (laughs) that big maybe around here. But most of them aren't that big, right? The one
2: that's closest to that one is called Incredible. Okay. Yep. It's the one that, but, uh, but there's even some nicer ones out than that, like, you know, um, like phantom or another one's called Casablanca or, but do or, we get, can those grow here? Yeah. Van- they can vanilla strawberry and there's, um, strawberry sundae. They're huge blooms, more of a pinnacle shape rather than cone shape rather than a, than a round shape. Okay. But I mean, yeah, no, there's some gorgeous hydrangeas that we can grow here. I got them growing out in, in, at the lake. And it's wide open, like it's it's. I have them away from the house so they don't get scorched, you know. And then I try to put them in the shade of another shrub, mm-hmm. and they do fine.
0: Well, you know, I couldn't believe how I've been to you know Banff and Canmore and Jasper and that yep. that part of Alberta lots and through BC, but never to the southern part of BC around Creston, yeah, and which is another valley, which is. Similar to where, you know, like, like you'd think, I thought, oh, maybe we'll find a, fr- a fruit stand somewhere. Well, man, yes. Creston, is, Creston is, lots. is all fruit. Yes.
3: Wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, I mean, yeah. it's it's a, just another valley that they grow everything in. So yeah. the peaches and the nectarines and the cherries. Oh, I well, got so to remember, Creston doesn't
2: get that, they get snowfall, but they don't get that cold.
0: I guess not, yep. right? That's pretty cool. Yep. But everything there is so lush. That's the other thing. We were, we were camping around Kootenai Lake, um, uh, at a place called Grey Creek. And man, like just, just even the, you compare the forest from there to just two or three or hour, five hours yep. away in Banff. And, uh, you know, it's beautiful in Banff and the, the mountains are so rugged. But in that part of British Columbia, the, the undergrowth is so thick and there's ferns everywhere. And I, I can honestly say I've never in my life really noticed trees as much as I do after being on garden talk. And, uh, <laughs> and there, there's these huge cedar trees. Yep, cedar. You know, we think of cedars here as yeah. sort of tall, you know, things that go in the front of your house. No, a cedar tree is a humongous, they're giant. tall, 80-foot tree. Yep, they're giant. And and I'm looking at one. We were sitting around our campfire looking at it going, what the heck is that tree? Because the, the leaves are so different. We couldn't yeah. recognize it. I got up close and finally realized it's a cedar like what we grow in, in shrubs and, and yep. bushes around here, the types of cedars we grow. Yep. No, it's a huge cedar tree. It's a cedar so, tree. Yeah, yeah anyways. A Western, Western red were- cedar
1: when you were driving, Jay, did you um, between Golden and Revelstoke, you'll see um, you'll see a boardwalk, and it's called the Giant Cedar Boardwalk. And there's some massive cedar trees. In oh, there. really? So yeah, they're
2: it's massive. It's a short
1: little a short little hike that anybody can do, but it's a very cool one to do to see
2: some giant cedars. It's it's one you can do in le- probably less than 30 minutes.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. What you forget, you know, being in Saskatchewan is how close really, I'd, like it, it feels like a different world when you go to those places, yep. you know, and it's all our country, which is what is so neat. Yep. Is I, yep. I guess the bottom line is is go see something, go tour. I mean, we have a beautiful province we live in, absolutely. But for the most part, it's it's very much uh, similar across up the prairies. Yep. Once you get in a place like BC, the southern BC and into those valleys and, you know, oh man, it's just, it's yep. a whole new world and it's just gorgeous. You get
2: lots of rain, They get lots of snow and the temperature doesn't go below minus 10 yeah basically i think i want to <laughs> think i want to live
4: there
0: <laughs> anyways give us a call today one 332 8255 you can join the conversation by text or by giving us a call uh well, let's go to the text line we've got one that's rolled in already it says rick i've got a question when is the best time to prune a rose bush how far do you cut it back
2: okay you deadhead roses all summer long that's why you'll get lots of blooms until the september long weekend then you stop deadheading the trees. because I want the rose hips to start forming to get the rose ready for wintertime. So you don't get any winter kill. Mm. Okay. Especially one the one that like, like campfire, let's say that one will, it'll bloom when the snow's, <laughs> the snow's starting to fall. Oh, really? It's <laughs> still wanting to bloom, but it's too hard on the plant. And so, yeah. So let it go to rose hips after September, but otherwise deadhead them. Otherwise, I like pruning mine. Uh, like a, if you have a floribunda, which is like a tea rose, I cut it back in the fall because Mm -hmm. I need to cover it right over, right? I need to heal it right over because anything above the snow is going to die anyways. So I cut it back then. Any hardy roses, I like cutting back in the spring because I like to leave as many branches up there as I can to catch snow. And then the first thing I'll do in the, boat, the as soon as the snow disappears in the first or second week of April, then I trim it back by at least at least one third, up to one half. And then you'll in the spring, uh, starting around Mother's Day, you start fertilizing it. All that new growth in, in July will give you all new blooms. All right, perfect. And twice as many blooms. We need to pr- trim it.
0: Excellent. We got a call. that's rolled in here. One of the early birds. So let's go right now to Macklin and talk to Bev, who's on the line. Hi, Bev. Hello. Hi there. What's your question for us?
4: I can't,
3: I, we have poplar trees at work, and they're, they're, they started last year, and the leaves, there's no leaves on them at all, and then they started, we watered and fertilized them, but uh, they're turning black on the edges and swiveling up, so we were just wondering if the trees are dead.
2: Okay, watch if they're turning black. A lot of times if you turn black, you have a leaf miner. Okay. Okay. And that's an insect that, that it's a worm. If you take the leaf, one of the leaves and you open it up, you'll see a little worm eating on the inside. Now, a lot of times it's not on the edge, it sort of, it starts working its way down the middle of the leaf as well. Okay. Okay. So look for that and you'll see a little worm inside. If it's a leaf miner, there's not much you can do other than just keep your tree, uh, you know, watered and keep it growing because there's no real chemical to get at leaf miner. That's the problem. Uh, we used to have Saigon around, that's a systemic. Uh-huh. Uh, but you can't buy that anymore unless you're, in, uh, unless you buy an agricultural form, okay? Uh, okay. but retail form in, in the garden centers and that, we're not allowed to sell it anymore. And so, but otherwise, just keep it healthy. It normally, it'll keep, keep new growth happening and it'll you know, put new growth out and the tree will be fine. I mean, uh, it's when it gets, you know, every single leaf. Uh, that's a problem. So you need to keep watering it and fertilizing it and then make sure that uh, now we're starting to get around, you know, August the 1st. Uh, now you okay. need to quit fertilizing but keep watering it until the September long weekend and then okay. slow down the watering and then give it one last good watering uh, around the middle of October.
3: But the trouble is I, I, they don't really curl. I, do, I look to there. I can't find any worm or anything.
2: They're, but they, they're just they'd, be dry. Ins- they'd be inside the leaf. You actually have to tear open yeah. the leaf to see the worm. Oh, okay. You can't. It's not a worm that crawls on the outside of the leaf. It's oh. inside. It's in between the layers of the leaf.
3: Okay? So that new new growth, growth that came on and yep. now it's dying. So yeah. So you just have to keep watering at that. Yep. What you can? No, what's the best? Um,
2: to, what's the best thing to make sure that we can? I can tell right away when I see it. Uh, send to send a, a picture to okay. info at DutchGrowers.com. Okay. okay, and then we'll take a look at it and we'll get back to you and make sure that that's what it is, as a leaf miner.
5: Okay, then. Thank okay. you very much. All right, have thanks, Bev. Take well. care. Bye-bye. All right. Alrighty.
0: Here we go. We're going to talk to Shay right now. He's been waiting patiently in Prince Albert to talk about some strawberries. Hi, Shay.
5: Morning. Morning. Um, so I, I have ever-bearing strawberries, and I got a really good flush of blooms and fruit at kind of at the beginning of the season, middle end of June, and then they kind of died back for a bit, which is fine. Now they're coming back. I was just wondering should i give them a shot of, i know you guys always talk about that fruit and berry fertilizer should i give them a shot of that now or is it too late in the season to fertilize again
2: uh, the str- you, can, you
5: can
1: probably give them one more shot of fertilizer the fruit and berry works you can also use just enough alfalfa pellet as a tea as well but i wouldn't fertilize okay. my strawberries after about i would say the the first week of august i would let them shut down
5: Okay, that sounds great. And then my mom also saw that I was on the phone and uh, texted me a question. So she's growing giant Atlantic pumpkins. She's wondering what she can fertilize them with.
1: Um, With that one as well, too, uh, you can use a certain... um, uh, even level fertilizer like a ten 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 or a twenty twenty twenty, but when they're in the big fruiting stage, like growing, you want to slow down on your fertilizing a little bit and just keep your watering consistent. So, whereas if you're fertilizing like once a week, um, you'll maybe want to do that every two weeks when they're when they're starting to get really big.
2: Perfect. Especially orga- yeah. also adding all those organic fertilizers as well because then you get all those other micronutrients in there that make yeah. that make that pumpkin grow even bigger. So.
1: So you can continue using those tea in supplementation with, um, with the regular fertilizer as well, too. Okay, perfect. Thank you so much, guys.
0: Yeah. Thanks, Shay. Take care. You're
1: welcome.
0: Bye-bye. 332 8255 We'll keep going with the calls, actually, because they just keep rolling in here, which is perfect. So let's go to Eagle Lake right now, and we'll talk to Lana. Hi there, Lana. Good
5: morning. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, so my half cap bushes did really well this year, but the bushes themselves... Are getting larger and starting to encrowd on each other. Yep. So, when is the best time to prune them so I don't lose next year's blossoms?
2: Yeah, you can, you can. One thing about Hazcaps, you can almost prune them through the season, especially the new growth. Okay? If you want okay. to get into some of the old growth, then I like to, I like to do it in the fall or early spring but um but but that but if you if you prune them as they go just keep thinning them with the new growth every year cuz a lot of a lot of honeysuckle varieties we even use as hedge plants right and you prune them three or four times a year and it doesn't hurt them at all so don't be afraid to prune them a little bit every year as you go forward but if you need to do a major pruning now i would just uh you'll still get lots of berries on the inside and uh i'd give them a good pruning uh when the trees start going dormant this fall or otherwise first thing in the spring
5: Okay, can I ask you one more question about my Juliet cherry bush? Yep. Okay, so the main tree, this main bush this winter got damaged by, uh, I don't know, mice or something chewing on the bark. Yep. And so I did uh, spray it with uh, one of these tar sprays and stuff, yep. and it seemed to be okay. It produced very few berries, but now I notice that the main tree itself looks like it's dying but at the bottom all around it it send up it has sent up these new shoots that's correct so is that juliet cherry root it's an actual cherry bush or is it grafted onto something else they're
2: on their own root so everything coming from everything on the bottom will be juliet cherry
5: okay so i can get rid of the mother tree and just use a bush or two to let grow absolutely oh
2: awesome Okay. Thank you so much. You're all right. Thanks very much, Lennon. Take care. Yeah. Bye. Bye. One
0: eight seven seven we will go over to that text line in just a moment, I promise. But uh, we got Brian, who is on the line here as well. He's in Saskatoon and wants to talk about some of his tomatoes. Hi there, Brian. Morning, guys. Morning. What's your question uh, for us?
6: Uh, for, first of all, a friend of mine is telling me he takes banana peels, soaks them in water for three days, and adds them to his cucumbers. He started doing that this year he said he's got like three times as many blossoms as he normally does um, I have no reason to believe that this isn't working for him uh, what do you think is causing that and I'm doing it now but I mean You only eat so many bananas, right? (laughs) So uh, I'm just wondering if there's uh, any other additive you could add to kind of mimic
2: that. Yeah, just like the alfalfa pellets, because all you're doing you're getting a lot of the micronutrients. You're getting magnesium, especially, right? And you're getting calcium. So if you do the alfalfa pellets, it will do it'll mimic the very the same thing.
6: Okay, and also uh, I'm getting some some my tomatoes got bottom rot. Now, here calcium is good for that. Now I've got. uh, some calcium nitrate. You mix one tablespoon per gallon of water. How much should I give them, and uh, uh, how often?
2: Yeah, does the calcium? You can probably basically do that once every three to four weeks. Okay, that's not a problem. Yeah. And then, but the biggest one is is uh, is you got to yeah you got to start earlier with that. You know, because once you get the blossom rot, that usually means that uh, two things: one, you're deficient of calcium, but the biggest one. And we talk about that quite often. Is inconsistent watering is what will give you a blossom end rot, and it's yeah, really
4: it's it, hard. To
2: it's do really that. hard when it's hot out. It's really hard, but you got to yeah. do the best you can to get consistent watering. But in a drought time, we get a lot of blossom end rot, right? Because it just they it, it, it just dry. You get wet, dry, wet, dry, wet, dry. So yes. just. Just do the best you can with that. But the calcium, if you try to make them healthier, like even using organic vegetable fertilizer with calcium, extra calcium in it, uh, that'll just make the tr- the plant more, um, you know, uh, the immunity built up in them, so they can resist getting that blo- blossom midderot.
0: You know, Brian, I've used uh, a product, and it is slow release fertilizer. Okay, and it's the little tiny pebbles, yep. basically, and it's meant for vegetables and and tomatoes with calcium in it, and it's a little shaker bottle. Yep. And every time I have planted tomatoes, oh. I just when I when I plant the tomato in the spring. Like when you're getting things going, the very first May long weekend, whatever it is, I throw that in there, mix it in with the soil, and I throw I put that in there, and then we just use fertilizer the rest of the year. I've never had blossom end rot. Yep. What's it called? It's uh, by it's, like uh, it's, Miracle it's, Grow. Yeah, it's Miracle. I, I think there's, it's miracle a, there's Grow. also
2: Dirt and Grow has one that's yep. exactly the same. It's a slow release with with extra calcium in it and uh, even Garden Excellence is another one that has, uh, has, has it in there as well.
0: So it, it kind of takes the, the, the guessing work out of it because yep. it's got the calcium in, it's in the soil, it's slow release, so it means every time you're watering and fertilizing yep. with other fertilizer, it's giving it a little shot of calcium and it starts right from the beginning and of when
2: you, when you plant when you, that plant. And when you mix it in, it's in right with the roots. It's right with the roots, yeah, exactly. and if,
1: if I can add something, it's just, uh, it's really important with the fertilizing and the calcium that you do that starting right at the beginning when you plant the plants through the summer, a lot of people wait for the fruit to, to happen, and then they go, oh, I'm starting to get a problem. I need to add calcium. It's actually more important for the watering side of things when you start getting the fruit on than the fertilizing. Yep. It's the health of the plant, keeping that health of the plant good and adding that calcium early on while the plant's growing and then keeping your watering consistent to to um, make sure you don't get that blossom end rot. Yep. Uh,
6: yeah, it says on the calcium I got, it says apply during flowering stage. So you're saying I should probably start before that, eh?
2: You got to start. You got to start early. Yep. Yeah. Yes. because because that blossom end rot actually starts as soon as as basically can happen. Start happening right after that 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 flower has been pollinated, and the fruit starts yeah. forming. Ah.
6: Uh, okay. Well, thank you, guys. Okay. Very helpful. All right. Take care, Brian.
0: Thanks a lot for the call one 332 Let's do one more text, then we got to go to our news update here for everybody. Uh, this is from Ray, who's in Saskatoon. Good morning, guys. About eight years ago, I planted five Dakota pinnacle birch in a row. They are now 14 feet tall. One is the recipient of my neighbor's spring runoff and is taller and has larger canopy than the rest. Same yep. thing in my yard. Yep. This year, there wasn't much runoff. The larger tree isn't doing that well. And the others seem to be growing faster now and are almost the same size. It still has a full canopy of leaves, but with the exception of a couple of branches near the bottom, all the leaves are stunted, look very light green and yellow in color. The other four trees are healthy looking and full, and have deep dark green color. They're all spaced eight feet apart. I made a point of giving it extra water. It doesn't seem to make a difference. What might be the problem?
2: Depending on the, the soil, now, also because of because of that um, because of the water, extra water going through that before it could be your alkalinity okay issue. Okay, so just yeah. just watch that. So, So what? what, Now, one thing to watch because that runoff area runs through there, most likely, uh, where is he calling from? Saskatoon. Saskatoon. So, our pH is pretty high. So, watch for the pH is a big thing. You want to aerate that poke holes around that tree to aerate, see what the soil is like down deeper. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. And just make sure that the, you got enough moisture down deeper in there. Also watch, watch for, if it's alkaline, then you want to be able to, you know, because it was a lot of water running through there. And then when it doesn't go, then you got a lot of salt builds up, right? An alkaline. So the, what you want to do is make sure that you, you may have to put some aluminum sulfate in there or some sulfur to lower the pH of that area so okay. the plant can take up nutrients. Yep. Because if it's, high, the pH is too high, it can't take up nutrients. If It can't take up nutrients; it'll be more yellow. Right, and the leaves will be smaller. Gotcha. Okay, so that's the first thing you need to do is check that, and then with the probe, you're going to be checking the moisture down deeper as well.
0: I suppose too, fertilizer counts as well for this, right? Exactly.
2: Yeah, but he, so. I think he said that he was fertilizing, giving some extra water, though. I think.
0: Yeah, he said extra water. Didn't talk about fertilizer. Okay. Though, so, so just watch for that. Okay, perfect. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. That's how you join the conversation. We're going to go right now to Lloyd Minster. I think we're going to talk to—is it Carissa? Carissa. Carissa, sorry about that. Hi there, how how are you?
7: I'm good, how are you doing? Good, Good.
0: what's your question for us?
7: Good. Um, I have some rose bushes, um, and I think I have like a black mold on them. Um, I got it last year, and I kept treating them with a spray for black mold, or black spot, I mean. Yep. And um, I I think it uh, must have just come back. This year, it looked good at the beginning in the spring. I didn't really see any. I kept watching. Then I noticed a few spots on one rose bush. Sprayed it, and then it just seems to spread from rose bush to rose bush. And now I just feel like it's really getting out of control. Okay, so, so I'm wondering what I can use on them. To first, the first, try thing, to
2: first thing I'm going to ask you is, how do you water these plants?
7: Um, I've been watering them from just the base. Um, the first year that that happened, my sprinkler was hitting the rose bushes, okay. and I read that not to let water get on their leaves. That's correct. And so, yeah, so I did stop doing that. Okay, good. Um, yeah.
2: Okay. So, and what are you using? Are you using Bordeaux or copper spray or are you using garden sulfur?
7: Um. Yeah. I the safer uh, black um spot spray
2: okay so you're gonna sw- you gotta switch from safers and you gotta go to one called you can either one one's called bordeaux or the one bordeaux, is okay. called garden sulfur it's a powder okay oh, okay it's a powder you mix with water both of them okay it'll be a lot more effective than using the safers one okay, okay. and so all you right use either one of those either like said, bordeaux and you got to use it every 10 days at least three times in a row. Four, four, every ten days, three times. Okay?
7: Okay. Okay, so it's safe to use this time of year then?
2: Yeah, not a problem.
7: Okay. And then... Um,
2: just don't put them onto your oh, flowers if you can. Just onto the leaves, okay?
7: Oh, oh okay. So it'll I can spray make, it on. Yeah. I don't just put it at the base. No,
2: you have to spray this onto the leaves.
7: Okay. All right, and avoid the flowers.
2: Yeah. Were you spraying okay. the other stuff on the leaves as well?
7: Yes, I was. Okay. I yeah. was... Pretty much trying to saturate it a little yep, bit and yep. try to keep it under yep. control. So, okay, so three times in a row, three times in uh, a row, ten, 10 days, 10 days apart. apart.
2: Okay. Okay. With uh, Bordeaux. Bordeaux.
7: Okay. Our garden sulfur. Or garden sulfur. Either one of those. Okay. Awesome. Thank you. You're All right. Thanks, Teresa. Take care. Yeah. Bye
2: bye.
0: One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. We're actually going to continue this kind of conversation right now because we're going to go to Hanley right now and talk to Lane, who is with us, about uh, some cherry trees. Hi there, Lane.
8: just bought some cherry trees here, and I think they have powdery mildew. Yep, probably. um, But I'm not sure. They have, uh, like, like kind of white grayish spots in some of the greener leaves and some leaves have already kind of turned yellow and got brown spots. Is
2: that yeah. powdery mildew? Yeah, probably powdery mildew. We have some because we're, we we in the garden center we have to we have to watch that because we over we have to overhead spray because that's the way we can do it. We can't water by hand everything, right? And right. so you have to watch for that. And there again, just like the last caller, just some garden sulfur or powdery mildew. You can also try if you want. Is forty percent uh, milk and and sixty percent water mixture. That also okay. gets rid of powdery mildew.
8: Okay. Is there anything I can do, like in the future? Like, is there a preventative measure? Yeah. Well, like,
2: ta- like all the, all the fungals the fungicides. Because uh, one thing is, to get you don't water from the top if you can. Okay. Because powdery yeah. mildew will start watering from the top, and also if you start earlier, like if you start basically in in just after fl- after flowering, basically, and you spray them every fourteen days. With with the with the with the um, with the garden sulfur, uh, okay. then then because most fungicides are preventives, they're not cures. Okay, right, yeah, they're preventives. Yeah. So if you do that, right. and then you won't have that issue.
6: Okay, okay. All right, ladies. Okay, okay. Thanks Thanks all right. Thanks very much. Yeah.
0: Appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Okay, so let's go over to uh, our text line, Julian Battleford. Uh, this is she says tomatoes. I've got green tomatoes with what looks like brown rings on them. What
2: is it? What do I do about it? If they're tomatoes, they're round probably from cat eyes, and cat eyes is in there again inconsistent moisture and watching your nutrients again. Like things like calcium and those kind of things, and that happens right. That starts that starts in the forming part, right? Almost after the blooming time. Okay, so gotta water consistent watering, but also make sure that you have your nutrients and not too high of nitrogen, because too high of nitrogen will also cause that. Okay, so make sure that you're using an organic fertilizer that doesn't have a ton of nitrogen in it, but has all the calciums and magnesiums, boron, everything else in it.
0: All right. Perfect. Okay. Uh, let's do another text here. Ron is from Momart. Advice on raspberries. When to transplant? Is it the fall or spring? How to prepare the soil? Moving to an area that has a lot of weeds. Do I spray the weeds out? When? With what? <laughs> what to add to the soil to help a new transplant? So let's start with that first question. So if it's going to an area with lots of weeds, we want to get rid of the weeds. Can we can we? Kind of nuke the area, so yeah, to speak.
2: Yeah, you can you can you can get that area first. So you can use uh, things Roundup. like Roundup if it's if it's if it's an annual weed. You don't need to use Roundup. Just use a, a, a basically it's called Weed uh, I think it's called We Be Gone Iron. Okay, it's an iron base, and uh, so then that'll burn all those annual weeds out. But if all the weeds right now this time of the year gone to seed. Okay. Mm -hmm. The best thing to do is to pick the seed heads off the first or pick the weeds. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Because if you spray them, the seeds will still, just like the farmers right now are desiccating the fields, right? Some crops. And so they, because they're trying to dry down the leaves so they, so the seeds will, 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 will finish off. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, um, basically that same thing with the weeds. If you just, burn down the leaves, the seeds will go down to the ground, and you have the worst problem next year again. So if they're all the seed, which this time of the year, most of them are, you need to pick them. Okay. And then after that, next year, you can just plant into there. All right.
0: So then we want to get those raspberries and in there. What do we do with the soil?
2: The soil, you can, uh, number one is that you can, with, you can plant into there. And if you want to, because you're planting plants in there, you can use corn gluten now. In that area, that stops any of those weed seeds from germinating coming up. Right, okay. Okay, so you won't get the weed seeds coming back up again in that area, so use corn gluten, and it acts as a fertilizer for the raspberries as well.
0: If the soil isn't great, like if it's kind of just a rocky, gross, you know... Then
2: add compost into this area or or vegetable type of uh, vegetable type of uh of of a fertilizer okay and then that'll bring up the nutrients and also you know bring up all that kind of stuff into the organic matter
0: and do we have to rototill that area
2: you can yeah Yeah. absolutely
0: you can okay and then uh when to transplant when do we do that
2: transplanting is you can do in the fall if you want uh so as soon as the leaves start turning color or you can do it first thing in the spring and if you cut them back in half okay when you transplant them okay
0: of course if you're buying new plants Yep. from you the can, garden center you, you can, can do that anytime. right now you can do it anytime. okay perfect so yep. hopefully we're on the health you, you're you're with you're not going to your...
2: transplant them now you're going to wait till the leaves to, uh, right then the fall or you're going to do early spring when as soon it's, as the frost is out of the when ground it's,
0: when it's from one spot to another yep. when it's plants in a in a
2: pot so, ready so, to go so yeah. basically end of september beginning of october yep. or otherwise the middle of april
0: let's go to the phone lines right now we got tim who's in prince albert who wants to join us hi there tim thanks for waiting
9: Hey, you got me thinking about driving down to BC now.
0: <laughs> That's worth it, let me tell you.
9: <laughs> yeah. Us. So, i So I planted a couple spaghetti squashes this year for the first time and uh some like I'm getting quite a few flowers and then they, you know, they transform into the little squashes. And some of them are starting to grow pretty good, but probably half of them at some point they just kind of turn into a little mushy ball and I guess die. Am I doing something wrong or is that normal?
1: Um, sometimes what happens is some of them have poor pollination. So the first flowers on a spaghetti squash, I've actually been growing them in my garden for a couple of years now, the first flowers on your spaghetti squash are usually male flowers and those ones don't produce. Um, okay. And the second flush of flowers that comes on those are your female flowers. And uh, and uh so they you have to pollinate them. Now if some don't get pollinated, what I'll do is I'll take some of those male flowers and you can Google online what the difference between the male and the female flowers on, but usually you'll start to see a little bit of fruit form on the on the female flowers, just right behind them. And then yeah. you take the male flowers, which don't have the fruit forming behind them, you take those off and you'll rub them into the center of the female flowers, and then that will help with pollination. So that's the first step. And then the second step is making sure that you fertilize and water consistently um, while, you, while your fruit is forming. And then um, pull back on your fertilizer a little bit and use that alfalfa tea that we've been talking about and yeah. sort of just use an organic-type fertilizer. And then, okay. when your plants are getting getting bigger, the only other thing that I would suggest, especially with your squashes, um, is planting marigolds or companion planting because then all it will take all the pests away from your squash, and then they'll they'll be attracted more towards your um, your marigolds and such. So it's it's important to plant some flowers amongst your amongst your vegetables.
2: And also, marigolds actually attract m- more pollinators as well.
1: Okay, exactly. No, I never exactly. never ever thought of that. I
9: just have them in one of our raised beds, but. Is it, yeah, is it that's what I to start do too? Planting, uh, marigolds?
1: Yep. Um, you, you can plant some now. I mean, right now you basically just have a look at your plants. Check for okay. check for, for bad bugs. The other thing, if you have some bad bugs like aphids, whitefly, any of those things, you can yep. add some ladybugs to your garden as well and that will combat them. Okay. Um but one of the things when your fruit just gets bigger, if it does get to that stage this year, I mean don't give up on yourself. This is your first year trying it, right? So uh, you might want to have a better crop next year. But when your fruit gets big enough, um, sometimes I'll put a tomato cage around the plant too, so they grow more vertically, so they don't take up as much room in my raised bed. Oh Um, yeah, yeah. But you can can also, when your fruit is forming, if it's sitting on the ground, put like um, a little board underneath each fruit, and then it will help so that the moisture doesn't sit under the fruit and you don't get rotting underneath it too. Okay, yeah, I've I've actually built kind
9: of a a ladder for so I can get the plants to kind of grow up on them. Yeah,
1: so, perfect. So they're they're
9: mostly just hanging right now. The ones that I that are growing, like I've got ones. The biggest ones I have right now are probably, you know, almost the size of an orange. Okay. You know, but, yeah, but shaped a little right. bit more oval. So.
1: But Excellent. This, yeah, and, re- and remember. Remember that your plant, because it's in a raised bed and uh, your plant's only so big, you don't want all of those flowers to produce a, a fruit or else your fruit's going to be quite small. So ha- picking some of those ones that, um, actually picking some of the flowers off so that it yeah. can put the energy into just the ones that you have growing um, is okay. also a good thing to do too.
9: Okay, so how many, what would be an ideal number to have say on per plant, like
1: two plants? I, I don't- I don't know. I would probably do like four to six per plant, I think, in a okay. raised, raised bed. Anything more okay. than that, I think that, that you'd be depleting the energy out of the plant. Gotcha.
9: Okay, that sounds great. I appreciate that.
0: Thanks for the call, Tim. It was great. Okay. Take Thank care. You. Bye-bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Now we've got Dave on the line. Dave, we're just about out of time, but I want you to hang on because we're going to get your call on as soon as we get back from the break. We only have about a minute to go until we got to go to our break here, and once we get talking, that might not be quite enough time. So if you can have some patience with us, we'll get we'll get your call on in a second. Get it. One thing I
2: want to talk. We got a minute left. Yeah. One thing I want to talk. When I was driving here today, I was driving down some of the streets in the older parts of the city, and I noticed that a lot of the elm trees, all the tops are dying. Okay. Oh. So one thing you want to do is make sure if you live in rural Saskatchewan, in urban Saskatchewan, doesn't matter, and you have you're in older parts of the city or even the town, young town or whatever, and you got these big old trees, uh, take take deep water your front lawn. Just don't water your lawn as if you're watering your lawn. Deep water your lawns. Use a root feeder or set the hose out there and either trickle. Move it around it's because you got to remember the re- the street. There's not much nutrients or water going through the asphalt. No, right? there isn't. Yeah. So those roots are in your lawn. Okay, or in your soil around your house. And so you need a deep water and give those plants to get through this drought. Because you're going to start losing trees. And they started being stressed. They're going to get insects and disease coming to them. And then you're going to lose your trees. And you move to areas because you want those big trees.
0: Right. You think of, right? think yeah. of beautiful downtown Regina, yep. downtown Saskatoon. We've got big elms and oaks yep. and other things, right? Yes. And, and there, we, those are our prized possessions District. in the
2: prairies. Yeah. You're going to make your meter spin a little bit, okay? But, I mean, you have that, that area. It's not just up to the city. We're the city we're the people who own the city right right so if you want to protect that tree because you have it in your front yard just give it some water and deep water not just watering your lawn is not doing it right okay? exactly deep water so we're talking we're talking with you around wascana
0: park we're talking with yep. you around spadina and Sa- saskatoon yep. all those big beautiful trees make sure you're doing even though they're city trees maybe yep. and, go give them some water
2: and even if it's across the back back you're backing onto a park and there's some in the park you know put the Garden hose underneath the fence and give them a good soak.
0: Okay. Uh, text to get to. We're going to come to Julie's. and oh, we got Julie's text. Pardon me. Uh, we've got text from Anne and Swift Curran, Donna in Saskatoon, Tina in Shelbrook, and a few more after that. <laughs> we've got a call on the line right now, and Dave's been waiting really patiently for us. We appreciate it, Dave. Thanks, and welcome to the show, Dave. What's your question for us?
3: Oh, uh, thanks, and uh, I really enjoy the show. It's really great information. Oh, Thank you. Thank you. Um, uh, it was kind of partially answered for me. Uh, I had a, a couple new trees put in this uh, spring. Uh, they unfortunately haven't done very much, although they've started to grow from the bottom. And I'm just wondering if I should leave the original uh, trunk, or <laughs> it's not really a very big trunk, uh, to help support the growth.
2: Yeah. And the other
3: problem I have is uh, is with crows and. Uh, so uh, with a bird bath that uh, it kind of uh, chases away all the uh, songbirds.
2: Yeah. So on the trees, um, is the top of the tree to- totally dead now, or is it yes, still? it is. It's totally dead. So it was totally dead. The top. You can always you can always cut that off and let what's coming from the bottom. Depending what the kind of tree it is, because some of the trees are, are are grafted. Okay. So some of the trees won't be the true the same as what's what's uh, what it was cut off. Okay. So um, that that I'm not sure, depending on what type of tree you have.
3: Yeah, one was an Evans cherry.
2: Yep, Evans cherry be on its own root.
3: And the uh, other one was a um, an apple tree.
2: Yeah, the apple tree is grafted, so if it's okay. from so it's from above the graft. It'd be the same apple. If it's below the graft, then it's not worth keeping.
4: Oh, okay. Okay.
2: So you'll see that little knob, you know, that little place, that knob at the bottom when you bought the tree? That's okay. called the graft, okay? And it's coming from below that knob, then then it's get rid of the tree, put a new one in. If it's above the knob, then it'll be the same tree. Oh, okay. Okay? And crows. And crows. <laughs> that's a tough one. That, that's a tough one. I mean, the, the, the biggest way you can do it is just early in the spring, as soon as you see a nest there, just take it down and, and make a move on to another place, you know? Yeah. That's about the only thing, um, because there's not much else you can do. You were right?
0: saying with the birdbath. What's going
2: on with the birdbath? Well, the birdbath is because she's tracking other birds, but the crows like the birdbath, too. Right? <laughs>
3: exactly. They drop peanuts and stuff in there to soften them up, I guess. And, uh, <laughs> They're smart. <laughs> uh, so I've been <laughs> covering it with a screen overnight, but uh, uh, they still...
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the crows are a tough one, and, and like I said, it's... Um, um, that's that's the best thing to do. Is like I said, with me when I get them, you used to get the magpies also growing in my spruce trees, and they would eat all the all the my wrens and everything is nest too. Right, so oh, okay. I, I've been actually putting up wren houses now, so that the crows can't get at them. And I've been having lots of wrens coming on because the wrens eat so many aphids and that kind of stuff. Oh.
3: Okay, I'll try that. And
2: so I've been putting little tiny holes, you know, so that the wrens can get into them, and but other the big birds can't get into them, and then that way I've been not, uh, you know, chasing away all the other birds.
3: Okay, uh, yeah, the problem with the crows uh, about three houses down we live in Montana, and uh, there's uh, let's say forty, fifty foot fir trees that they're uh, they're nest up at the top
2: and the net, and it's hard to get at them. I know. Can't get at. I can't them, get yeah. at them. Yeah, no, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, that's a tough one. But there's not a whole lot you can do.
3: Okay. okay. Thanks for the bird ideas. Yep. I, I shall attempt that. Okay. You
0: bet. Thanks, yep. Dave. Take care. Okay. Right. Yep. Bye bye. Bye bye. 1-877-332-8255. Yeah, that's that's frustrating. Yep. We were we were camping <laughs> in in Banff, and there was a set of crows. They were all squabbling over I don't know some roadkill, whatever yep. it was. Yep. They were all there's three of them all squawking and fighting. And uh, I I crossed the road. I had enough. We were just sitting there for an hour listening to them just.
8: <laughs> and uh,
0: so I there was I walked across the road and I, there was a rock and I wasn't going to hit them, but they were all kind of near a puddle. So I threw the rock into the puddle and it splashed them yep. and they finally took off. <laughs> Go make some noise somewhere else. There's a whole mountain over here. Go fight somewhere else over that dead squirrel or whatever you guys are eating. Yeah. Uh, we just had a text that came in from Shane in Yorkton. We were talking about B.C. fruit, right? Yeah. That's kind of what we were, because we were, I, I was on a vacation there, and Jill's out there now. Shane in Yorkton says, I lived in Kelowna for 13 years. What a lot of people don't know is B.C. fruit that you get in the stores comes out of some of the packing houses, and it can be even last year's fruit. That's why it doesn't taste as good as the okay. fresh-picked picked yep. stuff. Yep. Yeah, of course, and that's yep. that does make the sense. The
2: roadside right up there? Right the orchards is the best oh, place to be. Yeah, so yeah. good.
0: Okay, over to the text line. Let's go uh 1877 332 8255 This is from who? Anne in Swift Current. Good morning. I trimmed my lilac back after it was done blooming, but last week we got hit by a hail, and the outer leaves are pretty ripped up. Should I leave it or trim it back again? No, just leave it. It'll leave be it. fine. Okay. Yep. Uh, this is Donna in Saskatoon. Can I transplant or divide ferns at this time of year? What do you think, Jill?
1: Um, It's a little bit hot to be transplanting your ferns right now. I find that ferns are best to be transplanted when they're dormant. So I would do that in the late fall after the leaves die back down or the early spring. My suggestion would be more early spring before the leaf, they start leafing out.
2: Now, some ferns would have been finished and they actually dried up, okay? If they dried up, you can transplant them, okay? But,
1: but so. do that in the cooler part of the day, maybe yep. the early morning or late evening.
0: Yep. Okay, perfect. Uh, this is from Tina, who's in Shellbrook. How do I, good morning, guys. How do I get rid of those pesky white moths that are eating my cabbage
2: leaves? Put a crop cover over top of them. That's about all you can do. Okay, it's called a crop cover, and it's a white cover. You put them over top, and then you you can actually put you know you just lay it over top, and then make sure you, then you'll get rid of them that way. You they won't can't lay their eggs and that kind of stuff. Have those little green worms and that kind of stuff, but uh, the crop cover is the best way. Um, a lot of the um, the the big. Um, the big market gardens that they all use crop covers mm, okay she says uh tina also says how do I, I have i
0: have fungus on my cucumbers and pumpkin leaves white whitish spots that are spreading yep. is that the powdery yeah. mildew
2: powdery mildew yeah using the milk powdery mildew yep. sorry go, go ahead. ahead go ahead, Jill. <laughs>
1: powdery mildew in your best uh, usually is caused from overwatering or overhead watering or yes. watering late at night. Yeah. Um, you can remove the leaves that are really bad, but remember that they're spread from spores. so you'll transfer from leaf to leaf if you keep use if you use the same gloves, um, but you can spray with a garden fungicide as well to to prevent that mm-hmm. and to prevent it from spreading.
2: Yep, yeah. and then also make sure that in the fall you clean up all your debris, don't leave it in the garden yeah. and and pick a different location to grow them in next year.
0: Okay, perfect. Uh, we got a text in from Conrad, who's in Swift Current. Good morning. I've got flea beetles in my garden. What products would you recommend to kill them? Also, can you recommend some plants that can add to the garden that'll keep, help to keep deer out? So let's talk about flea beetles first.
2: Yep. Yeah. So you can use bug out X pyrethrin and you're going to read the label because it'll tell you which, which, uh, in which, um, plants you can use and how many days before harvest because we're getting close to harvest time now, right? So you got to read the labels. All just, just, I uh, can tell people over and over and read the label of everything you use. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. It'll tell you how many days before harvest. And so you can spray it on there and that'll, that'll get them in contact. But remember, flea beetles fly. So using that crop cover again to help put it over top to keep the flea beetles off is the best way, especially when you're just post would- harvest.
1: I was also reading that like um, putting a dust of cinnamon in your, in your crop either yep. on the ground or on some of the leaves will actually keep, keep some of those, um, those caterpillars and also the flea beetles away too. So I, I like uh, hearing some of those home remedies that we hear on the show too, but that's one that I've, I've heard from somebody that it works.
2: Yep. And so. even, even misting the plants and putting some diatomaceous earth on too works too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so uh, his second text
0: from Conrad was, uh, can you recommend plants that you can add to the garden to help keep deer out of it? Um, Is there any plants that are specifically anti-deer?
2: Well, marigolds, like rabbits and deer, don't like marigolds. They don't like the smell of them, and okay. uh, and so that works. Uh, otherwise, just a a good wood post with a metal deer fence around them. Well, that
4: the
0: we've also talked though, about yeah. keeping out uh, deer and stuff like that from eating gardens with with uh, mosquito barrier,
2: mosquito barrier. They don't like garlic, right? Garlic and those kind of things. There's mosquito barrier. There's there's skilled. There's critter ritter. There's a bunch of other ones you can sprinkle around, and they don't like that. Uh, that works also. Blood meal. They don't. Deer don't like blood meal. You can sprinkle blood meal around. They don't like that as well. Mm, okay. Yeah, blood and also
1: it. you can get one of those scarecrow sprinklers and put it on the edge ah, of your garden. Yes, I forgot. And when it when it comes near, it just sort of sprays a little bit of water at them, and then they sort of go away. They, 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 they
0: get like startled that. by that, yeah, That's right? a
2: good one, Jill. There's a lot of people I know that use those very, very effectively to keep the deer out of the yard. Right. It's called a scarecrow.
0: Yeah. So for Conrad, it's not just it's not just a scarecrow. It's a scarecrow it, sprinkler. It's, it's, it's
2: a motion detection sprinkler. You hook up your garden hose. You turn yep. it on at nighttime. Yep. And then, because daytime, the deer aren't usually there. They come at nighttime when you're sleeping. And then it, all of a sudden, you'll hear, if you are laying in bed awake, you're you'll know that, oh, that's my alarm saying the deer are coming into the yard.
0: Right. So so basically when it detects motion, it yep. turns on the sprinkler, sprays, they mm. don't like it, they run away. About 10,
2: 15 seconds later, it turns, it turns
0: off. turns off. Yeah. And you just leave your hose on. Yep. You know, a, you'll water your garden a little bit, yep. but B, you'll also keep out the deer. Yep. So Conrad, that's probably our best solution, yep. honestly, to keeping yep. those deer out of your garden. Plus, you, you water things as well. Yep. Right now we got Mike who's been waiting patiently for us uh, on the phone line. He's in Watson and wants to talk about some carrots. Hi there, Mike. Thanks for waiting for us.
3: Oh, good morning. Okay, uh, I got about a three foot wide uh, planter right along the south side of my house. I, used, I planted some flowers. Then I got the brainwave to plant some carrots as to for the greenery part of it. Now those carrots took off. They're about a foot tall and very bushy, and they're covering up the, um, the uh, beauty of the flowers. So I'm thinking of cutting off the tops, but I don't want to dig the carrots up I should say that first. I don't want to dig the carrots up yet because they're too small. How much of the greenery of the top, this bushy... Because uh, they're about a foot tall already. Uh, can I cut off without um, uh, stunting the growth of my carrots underground?
2: Well, you need the leaves to grow the carrots, okay?
3: Oh, you need? I thought I was afraid you'd say.
2: <laughs> so, you need the leaves to grow the carrots. So, to produce the sugars, you know, that the sun gives the energy, and the energy sugars go down to the, um, from the leaves down into the fruit, makes yep. the fruit grow, okay? And the vegetable grow and okay, so, so, so you, uh, you, you can uh, thin uh, them out cut them down
3: of the carrot tops at all
2: yeah you can cut them down but you still need some for them to grow cuz they are some size already right but right. if you cut
3: yeah, they would be some size
6: yeah. yeah
2: so if you cut too much you're going they're going to grow slower that's all so it's going to well, be a kind I'm, of a kind of an
1: experience for you mike good thank you You need to keep about six to to eight inches on those carrot tops for them to produce and keep the sugars going back in. So if you are going to top them, don't cut them any, any less than six to eight inches.
3: Oh, okay. Well that'll be helpful. Okay. Good. Okay, I'll
2: do I'll do that right away. And, ne- and next okay. year next year plant your carrots in behind the flowers. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, Mike, for the call today.
0: One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Let's go to our text line. We've got lots of text to talk about here. Uh Jeremy's in unity. Strawberries have died out, leaves are turning brown. Can I dig them up or do I leave them?
2: Strawberries? Yeah. Yeah, just moisture is the one thing, and um all, it also could be, if they're turning brown, they may have powdery mildew too. So just watch your overhead watering if you can. Put a drip system in. That might be better. Um so if they're turning brown, it could be it could be a whole bunch of things. If they want, they can send a, some pictures to info at DutchGrowers.com, and then we can take a look at the pictures and see what's going on.
0: Okay, perfect. Joanne says, uh, she's from Saskatoon, says, uh, our, my apple trees are getting out of hand. Uh, can they be pruned in the fall? They're kind of out of control. Yep. They can be pruned now too, right?
2: Yeah, they can be pruned lightly now. Well, lightly, right? yeah. Otherwise, you can do them in the fall, in, in basically end of October, basically beginning middle to end of October once the leaves start falling off, or in March or the first. First week of April. Now talking about apple trees real quick, and notice the apple trees and flowering crabs right now. The tent, there's a tent, there's a summer tent caterpillar, and they'll go on odd branches and they'll create a, a they'll pull the whole webbing. Yes. And, and the leaves will all turn brown. They're kind of eating the chloroform out of the tree. It's I've had of, this
0: actually happen on my flowering crab.
2: We had a whole bunch of espalier apples at the garden center and flowering crabs around, and every single tree. And now I notice them a few in the apples right in pots. So, I mean, they are around there right now and you can use BTK. Bomb. Bob, Tom, Ken, B-T-K, that's the name of it. It's a biological, you spray it on the leaves, and the caterpillars eat on the leaves, and then they, they, they die.
0: So I've noticed that they had a little branch. So all I did is I gripped that branch off,
2: threw And if you want to you you do you can, just, you can actually take your hand and squish it if you want. Yeah. You can leave that branch up there, or you can trim that branch off and throw it away. Well, it, was,
0: it was crispy, so it came got, off pretty you got to easy. remember,
2: you've got to watch, because you've got to pick the right time of the day when they all come back to their nest. Otherwise, they're spread through the whole tree. The caterpillars. Mm. Okay,
0: this was evening, and it was just loaded so inside that. Then nest. Then they've
2: all moved back to the nest, and then you can cut that branch off and destroy it. Okay, perfect. Okay? But I
0: haven't, you, I haven't, I haven't noticed it come back since then. I must have got them all. But the hot of part them. of the day. Yeah,
2: they're going to be in the in the leaves where it's shady, right? And and eating some of the other. So leaves. So, will you actually see holes in the leaves? Yeah, you'll see holes, or other. A lot of times, you just see brown leaves with with look like a leaf It's all brown with no green in it.
0: Okay, I'll have a look. For that. We're doing some work okay. in the yard today, so I can look for that. One eight seven seven we are going to go to Nipawin right now to talk to Eileen. Hi there, Eileen.
3: Hi. Uh, I uh, got a blade of grass with eggs on it, and I, and I don't know what it is. And I put the blade of grass in the sealer, and it's uh, tiny uh, flies are hatched. And I was wondering what, ki- what kind of a fly and if it's good or a bad fly.
2: It, it, there's a whole bunch of things out there. There's cinch bugs. There's uh, oh. there's there's sawd webworms, but that's more of a moth, little moth type of thing. So there's a whole bunch of them out there that that are out there. And um, so unless I see it, it's pretty hard to tell. But. Um, uh, there again, if you ever want to send, if you got a picture of them, you can always or bring them into your local garden center oh. and they can, they can give you the right thing to take care of them because there's different bugs. A cinch bug takes a different kind of chemical than, let's say, a sod webworm, okay? And so there's there's a lot of different things you could take care of it but uh some some are just using the leaves to to hang out on and they're not even doing anything to the lawn you know and so they're just a place to lay their eggs mm. so uh it, it all depends on the insect and the best thing to do is like I said bring a sample in a little baggie or you got your jar mm. bring your jar into your local garden center most of the garden centers will be able to tell you um uh, depending where you are what okay. what, what problem you have Right. Okay. Now,
1: always when you're bringing a sample in, don't just bring the bug in, but also take a picture of what the problem is as well, too. So take a picture, close up, and then a little farther away so that we can see sort of what the problem is and what it's doing, because there is some insects that um, actually are beneficial to our yard, exactly. too, so you, yeah. so you may have um, just sort of hatched eggs of a beneficial is, insect mm-hmm. as well, but if we can see the problem, yeah. then that will help. Because
2: us. because those eggs you brought us might not be the problem. It might be a different insect in there that's causing a problem we need to fix
7: mm-hmm. okay okay
2: all right thanks eileen take care okay. bye-bye 332
0: 8255 over to the text line with uh, one we can squeeze in here we got a minute and a half ted's in regina beach good morning everybody what might cause my hostas never getting large like my neighbors sun depth fertilizer age could also be i'm thinking just the variety too right or planted too deep
1: A lot of times it's usually planted too deep or it's about how much water is in that area, usually too much or too little. So um, probing the soil like Rick always suggests around that plant and making sure it's got enough soil and then fertilizing regularly. Um, A lot of people start fertilizing right when they start coming up and then keep your watering consistent. You're going to find that those are going to flourish for you. But making sure you have nutrient-rich soil and making sure that they're kind of in a shady location will
2: help them for sure yeah we had we had some hosses we put in then we actually added some soil and they got a little too deep and they some of the hosses are starting to come up now Oh, really? Okay, so they're small, they're, they're small. So next fall, what we'll do is we'll, you know, I don't want to do it now in the heat, but next fall, we'll lift those ones up and plant them up higher.
0: Now, there are different varieties that have different sized leaves, That's too, correct. right? I mean, like, I've got, yeah. I've got two different sets in my yard, one's yep. in the back, and they, they both get about the amount of same amount of sun. And the one in the back's got leaves. Oh, my gosh, they're the size of, I don't know, they're just, they're humo- each leaf
2: is humongous. The other guy might have big daddies, and you might just have Patriot, you know? Right, or, and the ones that I have in the
0: front, although yep. it gets less sun, it's, it's shady, the plants do really well, they're big and, and full, but each individual leaf is quite a bit smaller than the ones in the back, yeah. right? So Yeah,
1: and if you're, if you're wondering which variety you have, I mean, you can usually tell approximately by the look of the leaf, but you can always go into a garden center and have a look at peak season, which is around the long weekend, and sort of compare your variety against some of them that they have in the store and try and figure out which variety you have so you know how big it's going to grow um if you want to put a bigger variety in you can always move that one that you have forward and then plant a bigger one in behind it
0: uh okay jerry's in stockholm my tomato plants have brown leaf spots then the whole branch dies tomato plant what could that be jill <laughs> Anybody <laughs> hey
1: there. It, it could be sorry, it could be a few things. It could be a fungal on the leaf, um which is the first thing that it could be. It could just be water spots that land on the leaves from overhead watering and then the sun is burning um so uh if you're watering from overhead, that's what you will see. Um, it's really hard to tell um, unless you actually see the leaf. So if you can again, send a picture just to confirm it. Yep. Um, but usually what we see, if the leaf is not like black and spreading, um, then it's not a virus that way. But uh, if it's just brown on the leaf and kind of burning, usually it's sun damage um, from water spots. Um, if you think it's fungal, leaves brown and kind of almost like melting the leaf. Um, and sometimes you'll see almost like mold. You can use a garden fungicide to, to prevent that. but. Yep. Um, it's hard to tell just by not seeing the leaf. It could be many things
2: in a tomato plant. Yeah. One thing we've got to watch for like, with tomatoes is late blight. That, but yeah. I haven't heard, I haven't had too many calls about late mm. blight. Uh, but no. uh, late blight, the leaves will turn all brown and then all black, like the whole plant, whether potato or tomatoes, Okay, on either one of them.
0: Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, this is from Not Sure, but a couple of questions. Do pea seeds have to be dried on the plant or can they be picked and dried in the pod?
2: Um, usually, sorry. Go ahead, Rick. Usually, they de shell them and then, then dry them uh, when they're when they because they usually release in the wild. They will release from the pod and then be and then they stratify and then they then they regrow again. Okay, so normally it's outside the pod.
0: Okay, and then when is the best time to move fiddlehead ferns?
2: Um, either in the fall and then mulch them or otherwise first thing in the spring as soon as the fr- as soon as the frost out of the ground.
1: Okay. And I would I would prefer doing them in the spring. Yep. Okay.
2: Marilyn's from From Lake
0: says, Good morning. Great show. I've got two rhubarb plants. They're two years old, not producing much fruit, small stems and small plants. What nutrients or fertilizer can I use when I put put to put on them?
2: And I've heard that lots this year. The okay. rhubarb plants, okay? And uh, so one thing to watch is uh, you know, just the right amount of moisture, not too much moisture. But the the drought also will have smaller ones. The tr- the plant will protect itself. Okay, and so make sure you got a right amount of moisture, and then also just using an, an organic vegetable fertilizer or using like the like the the uh, the um, uh, the the you know, alfalfa pellet tea and that kind of stuff or anything, just a compost around them, anything like that is really good. Mm-hmm.
1: So. Now, one thing when I've been reading about um, uh, rhubarb plants is a lot of times people are getting stunted growth because they're over-fertilizing them. When you think about rhubarb plants, like what we were saying, Rick, before, like they can grow in a farmer's farmer's field yep. um, out in the open, and so a lot of people will have them in their yards and they'll be over-caring for them, and that can cause stent to the growth as well too.
0: Our fer- Our rhubarb plant was planted in the back alley and neglected. Yep. That was, all, all the water it got was from when it rained or when, when somebody splashed through a muddy puddle in the back alley.
2: And mine are small right now because I just transplanted a, a big piece of rhubarb, like a big piece. And right. But I put it in fresh, new, like, garden-type soil. Like, it's a mixture of soil.
0: They're kind of like opposite and, and plants. And it's,
2: it's just growing slow.
0: they almost like yep. junk, you yep. know? They're almost like the yep. the <laughs> bottom the bottom feeders. Of, of the plant world you know like give them dry give them crappy soil give them you know any of that
2: you know what i did in one yard just just two weeks ago is i planted a couple of rhubarbs for an accent plant because they're kind of you know like tropical yeah, leaves and everything yeah, else and yeah, totally. i put them in this one spot for an accent plant and but also they can have an accent plant with a purpose there you go plants with a purpose gotta
1: love
0: it <laughs> let's go to the phone lines right now uh paul is in saskatoon he's gonna join us right now and wants to talk about potatoes hi there paul Hey, how's it going, you guys? Very good.
4: Good. Uh, yeah, you know, it's been a couple of years since I've had um, my potato plants actually flower. And that's when you're supposed to heal them,
2: right? Yeah, you want to heal them. You know, you can heal them as they grow, but flowering time is a good time, yes.
4: Well, they haven't flowered in a couple of years, and I've let them go. You know, but I'll tell you, I prefer baby potatoes anyway. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so... No, I, I don't know why they're not flowering. Are
2: you, are you changing the location every year, Paul?
4: Yep, yep, and I move them 20 feet away. <laughs> okay,
2: that's good. The farther the better.
4: Yep, yep. No, I don't have any bugs or anything like that. And I have beautiful baby potatoes. But
1: Now remember that um, flowers aren't always required for your, t- for your potato plant in some varieties will produce less flowers than others. So um, remember that the flowers aren't required in order for them to produce the tubers. The flowers are just required for them to produce the fruit that's above the plant, okay. right? So depending on the variety and everything like that, you don't necessarily need the flowers on the plant to produce the tubers. So um, that's just one little thing hey, as
2: well. Hey Paul, have you ever tried a carib potato? Who? Carib
1: no never
2: try try that. that try that one next year and if you in a buy a bag and try some of those carib yep. potato. it's a purple potato on the outside white on the inside they're huge oh okay okay yeah,
4: i've I, I went to the yellow and i've got red this year and yep. i've dug some up and they are beautiful yep. little potatoes but i like the cream uh the cream with the um um the cream potatoes. Yep. You know, you'd make that cream sauce
0: and yeah. oh, well, dill carries. and but some it, onions in uh, there and carrots and potato. Oh, who doesn't like that? Come but, on. But, oh.
2: but get it yeah. get a small bag of caribs and try that one next year. Okay.
4: Okay. I'll do that. Yep. All
0: right. Thank th- you so much. Thanks, guys. Paul. Take care. Bye. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Uh do we got time? Sure we do. Ian's in Saskatoon wants to talk about moving some perennials. Hi there, Ian. Hey um
8: good morning. Uh, when you when you plant perennials yep. Um somebody just told me recently that you shouldn't re- uh, move them for 3 years. Is that true?
2: Well, you want them to root well first, okay? But but as long as you move them with a good ball of earth, you can move them pretty much anytime. But you can't okay. just dig them bare root, okay? Yeah. If you're yeah. going to dig them bare root, then you want to make sure you got a bigger root on them.
8: Okay, and then um I I had asked you um earlier and about um uh, planting some shrubs that I had put in the ground in pots. So when I put the fertilizer in, like, um, I think, 15, 30, 15, I think, or 30...
2: Yep, that's 30, fine. 10, 10 yep. Maybe it was. 15, 30, um, 15 would work. How much do you put in? You, you mix it with water, right? And then yeah, so and you then basically like, uh, wa- you basically water the plant in like you would normally water the plant in with that the first time. So you, you uh, basically, unless, how, depending on how big the plant is, but if it's a smaller plant, you just fill up a like a 2 or 3 gallon watering can with the with the fertilizer and just water it in.
8: Okay, so I I thought I was going to be putting some down in the hole before I put the plant in. No,
2: nope, just water it in with the after the plants in.
8: Okay. one one yeah. more really quick question. Yep. When when um if, if tomatoes take say 20 to 30 days um I think it is from from um well, when for... they get pollinated until ripe. Yep. So is this about the right time? Like September 15th kind of like our early frost date uh, average. So is this the time to be snipping off either the grow tips or the unpollinated flowers, or is it too soon?
1: If it's an indeterminate variety, you can be pinching and pruning right from the beginning of the season. Um You don't necessarily have to. You can you can do that with all of your varieties. There's so many different varieties of tomatoes. So to speak, on the variety that you have, it's it's hard for me to say. Um, But and with your indeterminate varieties, they're going to produce throughout the season all the way along. So just sort of watch your watch your fruit. We have a really short growing season here in Saskatchewan. So you just got to watch your fruit. If you're wanting to extend the season on them, um, just make sure you get a crop cover and you can cover them so um, yeah pinching and pruning um, you can do that right from the beginning of the season on your indeterminate varieties.
8: Okay what I was thinking that is if I do that when you do that does that make the plant ripen the ones that are on there um, at the size they are or will they keep growing?
1: Um, it depends on which variety you have, but when you're pruning an indeterminate variety, it basically puts the energy into the stems that are producing fruit instead of um, putting it into the growth of the plant.
0: Okay, thank you. All right, thanks for the call, Ian. Take care. Uh, this is from Pat. Uh, I live on an acreage outside of Saskatoon. My rhubarb leaves for years have turned yellow, and most of the stalks are skinny. It's a mature plant, many years old. I've only watered about three times this year, always from below. I have four plants. What am I doing wrong?
2: So there again, just watching the nutrients around them, use some of that, um, use some of the uh, alfalfa pellets because they don't like nitrogen, obviously, the the rhubarb. So just something with very, very low nitrogen, but some of the other micronutrients and just watching the moisture, not too much water at all and just a little bit of water every once in a while just to keep them alive. That's it.
0: Okay. Uh, Marilyn is in Saskatoon. Do lily beetles have a cycle like tent caterpillars? Example, Mm -hmm. we have had them for... A year and or two, then they go away. Yeah, so the lily beetles have a cycle like they that. They
2: do have a cycle where they do get better. Or most bugs do. Um, but the biggest thing with li- lily beetles yet is that our our predators haven't built up yet in Saskatchewan. So until we build a predator, and that, that's what they're working on right now, is trying to get a, a parasitic wasp to go after them. And but they're still doing studies on that because they just can't release a parasitic wasp because it might go after insects that are good.
0: Well, that we right? need for pollination of other things.
2: Exactly. So that's why they're doing the studies for. Us. So right now, just uh, just keep them, keep, pick them, pick, a, pick the the orange um, eggs off the back of the leaves, and then also just spray BugX out every fourteen days. That's about all you can do.
0: Okay. Uh, this is from David in Regina. We have a large driveway, and during the winter, I threw all the snow from the driveway onto my lawn. Now the ed- edges of my lawn, approximately five inches of the lawn edge, is, is dead. Yep. Tried reseeding. Uh, he said, tried reseeding now works. So I'm, I'm assuming he said it, it worked. Yep. But is it caused from the salts from the yep. roads yes. in the winter? Yes. It's, couple, it's that, but it's also coupled with, I find, it's coupled with that when the snow begins to melt in the spring, yep. right? you got that big pile of mound of snow. It's covering most of the lawn. It recedes away from the the edge right yep. It kind of melts back from the driveway now you've got that five inch chunk that's showing and then we get some cold temperatures Yep. so you don't have any protection on that lawn so I see a similar thing happen in my lawn where it's a you know salts and all that stuff that junk that comes yep. in off off our cars but b when things start to melt and that's where I, I got a lot of winter kill this year in my yard yep. places where the snow melted away and then we got cold temperatures The places where the snow stuck, everything was fine. Where that bare grass was exposed in March and then got... Really cold a couple nights. Yeah, that's where it didn't do so well.
2: But if you look along the streets and that kind of stuff, there's always a strip right where they push the snow, and that's with the concentration of salt. Or like in the spring when the water splashes up, mm-hmm. you'll see that that strip along there. A lot of times, it's a concentration of salt.
0: I I overseed it as well with just you know yep. some nice topsoil and some groundkeeper uh, seed, yep. and then fertilized. And you know, a month after that, it was yep. looking good. And so.
2: Even even spread some gypsum along that strip, too. That'll help a lot, too. Gotcha.
0: Okay, let's go to our next text here. Richard Moose Jaw, we've got a smaller poplar and find the leaves are turning black and there's a black-looking caterpillar on them. What should we use to get rid of it?
2: Okay, there's two things. Caterpillar is one thing. Okay, that's different. But the black part is called the leaf miner. And the problem with leaf miners is that we have no insecticide to get at them. Okay, because they're Mm -hmm. inside the leaf. You can't spray them. It doesn't work. Uh, We used to have Saigon, but you can't buy Saigon anymore. And so a lot of times it's, it's, it's not going to kill the tree unless the whole tree is black, okay? Then, then it's just like the 10 caterpillars, they wipe them out. Usually the tree will put a secondary leaf on. So normally it does, as long as it doesn't happen year after year after year, and it does go in cycles, so usually the tree will be fine.
0: Okay. Greg is in Saskatoon. Our tomatoes were doing fine, but two weeks ago, the blossom the blossom flowers have become very small and not setting fruit. I've been fertilizing every seven to 10 days with nine sixteen sixteen. Any suggestions?
2: Yep. Just make sure next year you plant lots of flowers in amongst your garden to attract the pollinators. That's the big one. Okay. Mm-hmm. Anything else you can add, Jill? Oh, did we lose Jill?
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, wait. Hang on a sec. Maybe Jill. Right. Yeah. Okay. Sorry, Jill. Uh, my fault. My bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that's okay the biggest thing is staying consistent on your watering and you're doing the right thing with fertilizing but um, with the tomato plants that's the key to success so fertilize regularly um, and, and keep up on your watering
0: perfect okay uh, let's go to our next text here we got Trish who's in Saskatoon I just put one to one and a half inches of wood shavings on two of my small flower gardens to help keep moisture in yep. was this a good idea or am I misinformed I'm thinking rodents of bedding down in the winter
2: uh, well, no, it'll be, it'll be fine.
0: You know, I, I have flower beds just like yeah. that with mulch in them. And I put a couple of, uh, outdoor type mouse rodent. Not traps, but poison bait stations. These, yep. Keep them full, and then there's no problem.
2: Or even just a box, just a shoe box with uh, some hole, little tiny holes in them, with some uh, snap traps, just ch- cheap wooden snap traps you can buy from the dollar store. Yep. Right, and put some peanut butter and a raisin or a raisin on them, and you'll catch all your voles and mice and everything else.
0: But in terms of like actually putting the the, the shavings down, that's good, right? I mean, with like uh, that's the shavings, keeps the moisture in. It
2: keeps the moisture and keeps the weeds down. You know, uh, reduces watering, everything.
1: Right. adds extra insulation for the winter, actually, so you're
2: doing a good thing. And act- actually, as it breaks down, I don't put landscape fabric down, and I, as it breaks down, it actually adds all the roots grow into that, into that mulch, and the plants actually do better.
0: Right, exactly. Uh, let's see. Phyllis from North Battleford. How do I keep sparrows out of my peas in the garden? They ate most of them down to the ground. Yeah. Try to scarecrow, bunch of small fans, and also an owl. And the owl didn't work. Well, okay, you said yep. owl, but you've got to have an owl with a bobble head on it.
2: has it. a head. yeah ones that move in the wind could try that
0: uh scarecrow sprinkler we sprinkler, talked about right yeah. that might keep them away or,
2: or bird netting yeah there's yeah, also I was bird, netting.
1: Say, bird netting you can just sort of make a little cage around them with bird netting yeah that well.
2: that's probably because we use that for you know like has caps and cherries and all that kind of stuff as well
1: okay just
0: a couple here left uh julian alameda about the pea seeds do they have to dry on the plant or can i pick them uh pick the plant as i want the space and let the pea seeds dry on their own in the pod where we talked about yeah, that.
2: If 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 they're ripe on the pot if they're ripe on the thing, you best to take them out of the pods and then dry them that way.
0: Mm, okay. Perfect. Uh, that is pretty much it for today. We're, we're approaching the very end of the show here. We gotta go. So Larry, Larry's in the phone lines. Larry, just hang on. We're gonna get your call as soon as we get off the air. We'll answer your call there. So, uh, just stay, stay put. We'll get you there. I think that we've got pretty much all of our texts. If we missed you, we'll make sure we get your text answered. See you same time, same place next weekend. Had fun. Yeah, exactly. I'm Jay with Jill and Rick. This has been Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.